The Comedy Zone podcast is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. Find out more at queencitypodcastnetwork.com. From Charlotte, North Carolina, this is the Comedy Zone podcast. Find us on Twitter at the CZ Podcast. Email us at ComedyZonePodcast at gmail.com. Now, your hosts, Will Jacobs and Jason Allen Key. Welcome to the Comedy Zone Podcast. We're back at it again. We got your, your favorite crew. We're all here. Brian Baltashevitz. Jason Allen King. Thank you. Thank you. Your main man, Will Jacobs, behind the ones Hello, and Hello, there he is. Making it happen. I, I actually asked for the noise levels to be adjusted, and I got them too low. Too low. Gonna, well, I, play, I played myself, <laughs> but that's fine. You no, know, I, I made my own bed. It's all right. I made my own bed. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, that's better. Okay, good. There we go. Look at that. Look at that. If wow. I was sitting there, yeah. if I was sitting there, I could be taking you care of this been. Right that's now. all right, but you wanted to sit. To the side. Yeah. I Ch- mix it up. I like to mix it up. I think uh, Jason was sitting across from me. He wanted to try something different. I think he, we, we looked at each other's eyes too many times last week for Jason. Kept so getting he, stuck in there, buddy. Kept getting stuck in the eyes, yeah, right? Yeah. You have blue eyes? Uh, they're like, yeah. I think mine were red. I was high. So uh, <laughs> I know that was awkward for Jason. So <laughs> They're dreamy. I'm kidding. But we got to talk about last week's interview, buddy. Yeah, buddy. I mean, that was... A lot of people were talking about that interview. Mm-hmm. By a lot, I mean myself and my wife. <laughs> I don't know about anyone aside from that. Well, a couple of people commented on Facebook, they right? I mean, yeah, that's right. Yeah, it was a buzz. It was definitely a buzz about it, for yeah. sure. Yeah, so I just wanted to kind of briefly unpack it a little bit mm-hmm. and kind of talk about what we heard, because I listened to it probably three different times. I know I, I listened to it once initially, then I think, I listened to it with my wife, and then I may have gone back and listened to it again. Hmm. Um, I just thought it was it was pretty cool because, as I said on the podcast, um, Hef is not an out there, out front kind of dude. Mm-hmm. You know, he's kind of aloof. Yeah. Um, you know, he he doesn't he doesn't like to be in front. So to have him just for forty five minutes really be open almost ever, like not even in an interview capacity, even in even in you know when you see him after clubs and stuff. Yeah, he's he holds his cards close to his chest for sure. Yeah. I saw his wife uh, the day after. She said she didn't know any of that. So I was, I'm <laughs> she knew he was from Buffalo. She had no yeah. idea that he was. No idea Chris Rock was there. No. She, she didn't even remember seeing Chris Rock. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Shouts out to Tammy though. She's wonderful. Mm, she's too, great. But yeah. but yeah, but it was um it was good, man. And I think it was an opportunity for a lot of comics uh, who have questions about the way Comedy Zone does things, or Hef the Man himself, or just you know because i think when you when you have that kind of information you can do a better job of assessing where you are mm-hmm. yeah because if you know what what hef sees as an mc or a feature or a headliner or what goes into being a good comedian some for some comics it's like okay well how do i stack up and measure up to those things yeah. and self-evaluation you know, i think is a big part of being a comic I, again from my from my point of view you're constantly assessing where you at, where where you as a performer, as a writer, mm-hmm. just in the general scheme of who's getting booked, who's not getting booked. Why? Yeah, so it's a constant, it's a constant sort of evaluation, I think. Yeah, and then when you have, you know, when you have Hef sitting there, sort of laying out some of the criteria, uh, it just helps you better assess, you know, where you are. And then I like that we didn't pull any punches. You, you know, we talked about race yeah. and and whether it's racist booking, racial booking. Uh, you know, so I found I found him to be pretty honest about how he felt. Now you can, you know, with those sort of things, you know, Hef would say that it, you know these things are show specific. So you know, I want this kind of comedian. If it's a Jersey crowd or whatever, whatever that comedian yeah. brings out, that's what I want to have as the opener. But sometimes, you know, if there's a certain kind of comedian that you book, uh, that can work to the exclusion of some people. And, you know, if I'm a comedian that's, you know, that, I, that you know, they use the term urban, but, you know, I'm a comedian that's not, I don't know how to put it, uh, like like the Deaf Comedy Jam comedians, mm-hmm. right? Remember the show Deaf yeah. Comedy Jam? Like those, that ilk of comic, um, 
as a result is not does not get the same kind of opportunities and the same amount of opportunities mm-hmm. that other sort of cultural and, and performance demographics get. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to kind of get his pick his mind on that because I've heard it. Right. You know, you know, I've heard it. And, and what I kind of see it as, at least from my perspective, is a guy that's running a business and he's making certain decisions about, you know, who it is for each show. But at the same time, it has a de facto effect. Like sometimes. Cool. Of course it does. Yeah. Like sometimes if you don't aggressively. Like if you don't aggressively try to find diversity in what you do, it'll just without even trying you'll exclude groups right. because uh, you just you, it, like, like that's why when we talk about, you see affirmative action programs and diversity programs, like everyone wants to believe that we're post-racial, but the real truth is if you don't have those things, people are naturally going to gravitate to people that look like them have the same cultural sure. frame of reference. Right. That's what they'll gravitate to. So you have to make an active effort to bring something else into the room. Yeah. So, and I think that sort of, and I told Hef that, being a comedy club owner and being someone influential in this space means that uh, you are kind of the gatekeeper. You're one yeah. of the gatekeepers of people that get to do what they do in front of paying crowds. It would be it would be interesting to see you say use the Def Comedy Jam. It would be interesting to hear one of those guys say, "Well, wh- I want a shot at this other audience that I, I don't can normally do. get a, yeah. get a shot at those guys." Maybe. Yeah. And again, this isn't to, to just, to, you know, hindsight 2020, you know, have some conversation because mm-hmm. I thought he was very thoughtful. Mm-hmm. He didn't he didn't uh, I didn't feel there was a lot of mm-hmm. knee jerk reaction to what he was saying. I think he, he you know, but I also you know think that there are some people who might say a saying that it's, you know, per show de- decision. It's a, just a little bit of a that's a, that's a little bit of an out, yeah. a little bit of an easy out. Say, well, it just depends on the show. But it would be interesting to hear other people. Those kind of comics say, you know, I like to get their side of it and say, well, maybe I want a shot at the at an older demographic, older whiter demographic. Maybe my maybe my comedy can transcend that, or maybe I can can make an adjustment. Maybe I can make adjustments to things. Right, but if if you're that comic, you just don't. Where else are you going to get that opportunity? Yeah, that's right. You know, I mean, you're not going to. Yeah, it's just so. I just think that there's there's a certain level of responsibility. And I'm not even saying like I never see those kind of comics there. I do sometimes, but they're for those kind of shows right? where you might see another kind of comic being on all the shows. So, you know, I, I think it's, it's, it's an, it's a discussion worth having for sure. Um, I, I'm glad we had it and I hope the comedy industry continues to have it. Right. Yeah. Because yeah. you know, this listen, funny can come from anywhere, man. Yeah. And, and you know, I mean, if you take Kevin Hart, you know, somebody might have seen a young Kevin Hart and said there's no place for him on this stage. Right. And then you look at the, all these years later and the guy's the biggest selling thing we got. So it's just you never know who it is. And, you know, just are they hungry? Are they good? I, I just if somebody's funny, man, I don't care if it's I don't care where they're from. We hear funny is funny. Funny a lot. is funny, we man. And it's, a lot. But it's real. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I, you I know, totally growing agree. up, man, I liked everybody from. From Martin Lawrence to Janine Garofalo, it yeah. like it was just funny, uh, yeah. You know, so but then it's an exposure question. What you know, and it sounds like you know. Again, I don't want to put you know any words in Hef's mouth, but it sounds like he's coming from an educated place and saying, "Here's what people who are exposed to this think about it," and then we're gonna match. We're just yeah. gonna match comic to to this yeah. group of people. I don't, you know. Do you think though that 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 uh, from the business perspective, but also from the just the sheer uh, numbers, there's one slot per weekend mm-hmm. um, in a headliner show. So someone's going to get excluded. Someone's going to feel excluded. Mm-hmm. It's also from, from a business perspective. It's not necessarily. Uh, it's not like an open mic night where you'll get, you know, a wide variety of people sitting in a community club on a on an open mic night or on the a, a, a March Mania night or a Funny on the Fly night. I mean, it's like sitting in the lobby at the DMV. There's a wide variety <laughs> of people there. Man, that's more true but than I even think you true. meant, this Brian. This is really <laughs> true. That's exactly but how if that you, looks. if it's a specific show, if someone who's go, who's specifically coming to see a Janine Garofalo or specifically coming to see a Sinbad, it, it's the audience is more sort of homogenous than it is you know, on an open mic night. And so maybe from a business perspective, it does make sense to play to that audience. Well, 
Well, the only the only issue I would have with that is it doesn't work in the reverse. So you have those comedians that don't get on any of these shows except when a, you know, except when a Michael Blackson comes to town. Right. But then these other comedians, they'll throw them on any of the shows. So they'll throw them on shows with any demographic. These comedians get those opportunities. And it's like, why do they get to cascade over so many different kinds of comics? And we pigeonhole this other group of comedians into one. Yeah. And and also. You know, these are not, they're not always high stakes situations. Like, if we're talking about a weekend with a celebrity, but some of these nights, a Wednesday night, at the, like, yeah. you know, it, nobody, it, listen, it, the person's not coming to, they're not going to ruin the show unless they are objectively bad. And, and by that point, you should have vetted them somewhat. Like, we have people, the March Mania competition, I won't name names because I don't want anybody to feel whatever, but come on. We, we have yeah. people, we have people that, have won the March Mania competition. And it used to be you win March Mania, you got to host for a week, or if you want to fight yeah, in that right. championship, you got to host for a week. And then they kind of stopped that, and one of the people that won it didn't get an opportunity to host. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, so this comedian was better than 63 other ones, but wasn't good enough to come out and say the drink specials <laughs> on fucking Friday. <laughs> Yeah. Like, let's be real. Like, what are we talking about? Right, right. Like, I emceed a long ass time. You know, we we talked about this about this with half. It's like how a, a headline is not strong enough to to manage a five to seven minute, you know, screw up. Like, are you, if, is the hosting screw up that bad? It's going to ruin the show for a headliner. Come on. And that's the thing too. It's like at the point that they've won this competition, there's enough there to say they can hold some time. At yeah. some point, you got to ask. Then, is the competition successful or what it's supposed to? Is be it doing? right? Is it? Should we call it? You know, the toilet bowl or something? Like, what should we call it? Because at the point that the winner's not good yeah. enough to stand up there for three minutes, and then say, yeah. uh, you know, Bruce Bruce is here next week. If you can't do that, tip your weights, sir. And it's a, it's a good point to what Brian also the way you were saying is that you know the the homogenized audience decides. It's not right. someone in the back of the room saying who won. It's the homogenized, and it really is. Every time I've been there, it has been a very good mix of people, a good sort of broad stroke of who, uh, you know, people come to the shows. Now that, now that being said, though, I, I will say this. You know, Hef's been doing this 27 years, so we don't know all the times that he's had. Diff- like, we don't know how long this has been tested. Sure. You know, there may have been times where he was more whatever with it, and he found it didn't work. Maybe he saw the comment cards, his crowds didn't like it, and he's got the business to run. So it'd be interesting, you know, to know whether he's kind of been there, done some of this. Well, I think we definitely have to assume that, and I think that's kind of what he said last week. But at the same time, you know, at some point, you got you got to cast another line out there and see see what's new and see what's yeah. uh, what's changed. I think I have to assume that audiences have changed over the last twenty five years. Yeah. I'm yeah. I'm positive they have. Yeah. Um, I'm assuming they've changed in the last five years. Yeah. Right. Um, there's, you know, to bring up this whole, uh, and you're going to laugh at me when I say it, bring this up. There's a whole controversy about Harry Potter right now. <laughs> what? <laughs> yes. There's a controversy about Harry Potter. And, and, and one of the arguments is that the audience is the quote unquote audience. When the books came out to what they are now are different. And therefore, you know, the, the complaint, you can't reverse judge a book from 25 years ago because it doesn't have all the same sensibilities as that are relevant today but but so it's interesting i need to get that nerd in no that's all right for everybody you know i always could tell (laughs) i saw your knee wiggling i knew you would want to get something going so that's that's i heard a lot of people just click off actually i heard them (laughs) click off of Sorry about that, guys. Yeah, it's weird how you can hear that. <laughs> Speaking of demographics, that we thing. need to reach. <laughs> so, so, um, but also with the, um, you know, I like. I thought it was cool too near the end where he kind of said that, you know, addressed his legacy and what, what he thought it was and what he hoped it would be, and um, you know, just as a, a hardworking dude that was laying in the bedroom listening to Bill Cosby or whatever albums. Yeah. Uh, you know, to this guy that's been able to help people put food on the table. And that part right. is real. Um, you know, he 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 did a little much when he said it applied to me, but uh, <laughs> you know, it was still it was still he nice. Did. The <laughs> sentiment, <laughs> gas money. I said, you know, yeah. s- slow down, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> slow down. You didn't, you know. Yeah. So he, but he, and he, you know, he immediately said, "That's right. This is Will friggin' Jacobs. Uh, what am I doing?" <laughs> well, it's fun because you and I have have access to half yeah. 
more regularly than a lot of people and a lot of people who've heard this. So I think you've got you got a dose of half. There's a lot more to him. There's a lot depending on what night you get him and what he's dealt with that day and what stories you're going to get out of him. And, That's right. And tone and stuff. Because some nights he doesn't want anything to do with it, <laughs> with any of us. And it's great. It's great. But then there's other nights where he, he wants to have a beer and, and sort of, you know, chat about old times and be excited about comics. And other times he wants to lecture you. Yeah, <laughs> what's comedy? Tell you everything you're doing wrong. That's right. <laughs> I appreciate that if you're a young comic, because you guys have access now to Hef, mm-hmm. and Hef does have this this sort of uh, uh, mystique among comics in Charlotte. Some comics are scared to death of him. Mm-hmm. Um, others, like you guys, um, have more access He's to him. He's afraid of us. That's probably not what Terrifying. it is. Okay. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> what, um, there was a point where probably you were somewhat I'm intimidated by him as well because you knew of him as opposed to yeah. knowing the person. Mm-hmm. So w- w- what if there's a young comic coming up mm. who aspires to stage time at the Comedy Zone, what do you tell them about half? It's a good question. Uh, I think one, the first thing, the number one thing before you do anything else is uh, you got to be around. Um you know, when he says that not a lot of comics come to the weekend shows, I mean, that should be a wake up call for some folks. Um, that was a lot of the way um, that I kind of got to meet him and everything else was just being around. And then when you're sitting outside on that ledge or whatever outside and he comes out there and you're just kind of sitting and talking and he he's kind of really sometimes really open in those moments. He's why he holds court a lot. He out holds there. court. That's a That's great right. way to put it. He yeah. holds court out there. So you got to be in the room. I think it's the first thing. lesson. Be that. I tell people because because also the same sort of thing applies to to Ted, mm-hmm. who's over there. Ted's uh, uh, as the manager of the Comedy Zone, and who's a a uh, he's a quiet guy, and I think that gets misconstrued a lot of times about his personality. What I like to tell people is is uh, two two things. One is you're at work. Yeah. Right. So yeah. act like you're at work. Absolutely. That's number one. Number two is there are people. So be courteous. Be be a good hang. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, as simple as that. Be a good hang. Don't don't show up and ask for something right away. Mm, show up and say one. show up and say how you doing. How's things? Are you enjoying the show tonight? Everything going okay with the club? Do you get you guys need anything? Can are we in the way? Can we go in the back? Like. To me, it's just be be a good hang, be courteous. the 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 comfort level with these guys will come. One, if you're there. Two, if you just show them the same courtesy you show anybody that yeah. you're working with, you know. Because I don't care if we're sitting around drinking. You're at work, man. You are at work. This idea going to small bar after and hanging out with comics. Mm-hmm. So much is is done then. There's so much happens. So much happens. It's like the there. golf course for some other professions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So, and I think a lot of people think we're going to to, to hang out and get drunk and blah. Nah, man, right. you're at work. Great point. Don't don't yeah, get hammered. Don't be a problem. You know what don't I mean? Don't vomit on the headliner. Don't vomit on the headliner. <laughs> Honestly, I mean, the, and again, all my advice comes from I think things that have worked for me. Yeah. yeah. That that continue to work for me, and that is, you know, it's the same things for any 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 work function. Don't be the last guy to leave. Yep. Yeah, you know, don't get tore up. Don't be the first guy to leave. Yeah, you know, yeah, like don't, you exactly. don't be, don't be like, okay, I'm here, bye. You know, I sure. came out, you saw me, see you. Like, have a conversation. Yeah. That you know, it's yeah. so. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's a big part of it. Um, I think that humility, be teachable. Oof, yeah. uh, you know, some so many of these Huge. comics get rubbed the wrong way by constructive criticism. Like, it's not even sometimes to demean you or to like most of the time it's not. And, you know, but so comics, you just don't get me. You just don't get me. <laughs> you don't get it. You know, this guy's seen every comedian you could possibly see. Yeah. Every more than you have, you know, and it's yeah. like, but you just he just doesn't get it, man. It's but like you're the one he doesn't get. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're the one. <laughs> you, you're you're the one he doesn't. And listen, the guy's not perfect. You know, I don't agree with everything Hef does. Of but at the same time, like, you know, I respect his his mileage in this thing. And, you know, so be be teachable. Like, it's not always. Don't always be offended because, you know, he tells you something wasn't good or you need to be more of this or more of that. Like you got to. And I know how he can be, you know, he can be kind of he can talk at you sometimes. I understand yeah. that, yes, especially right. early on. Um, 
but you gotta like somebody told me a long time ago like you you gotta be able to eat the fish and spit out the bones so you know take you know take in the things that are valuable and useful and the rest is just you know it's just the packaging like you gotta be able to sift through that and get to what's gonna make you better and I was always able to do that with him like whenever he'd Oh, you know, you yeah, you're taking the night off. Whatever, <laughs> whatever he was saying. Listen, you know, it's just like him, yeah. you know. But I'm listening, and I'm like, you know what? I am. I was on autopilot for some of that. Yeah. So you know, as long as you're able to do that without getting all mad and hurt. Yeah, because I do think he is a fan. That's the other thing is that everyone's like, it gets worked up because things aren't happening now, now, now. And they, I will say this, and again, I I refer to Ted and and Len, Joel, all these guys half. I think they know what's going on. They're listening. They might not be there for every set, but there there is a, uh, I imagine, a system or a function that's happening, whether it's the staff. I think the staff's re- really important. Mm-hmm. Always uh, uh, underestimated at comedy clubs how much the staff uh, oh my goodness. influences or, or yeah. can can share what's actually happening. Yes. They're, they're, they're the ones down there in the middle of the crowds doing stuff. So in a comedy zone, it's a great staff. I mean, don't be rude to those guys. Right. You know what I mean? Big take time. take care of them. Like they're friends. They're part of yeah. it's the we say it as the host. They're part of the overall experience. Yes. Right? But I do think it's important. But they know, half uh Ted, these guys, they know what's going on. They're hearing they they're hearing if you're doing a good job. So don't get freaked out if you're not getting any movement at all. Right. You know, just wait it out. You'll be all right. And and um, you know, I know for me, uh early on <clears throat> I know Debbie said some good things about me to them and Blair nice um, early on. I think said, you know what? I got to tell them about you. Yeah, that's great. And I don't think, I don't think I had any exposure to them before that. Really? I mean, I had taken the course, but right. not like, Hey, this guy's out here killing it or, or doing a nice, doing, he's mm-hmm. got potential, whatever she said. Um, it, so so sometimes you have to be able to and it's not in a you like not in a, a manipulative way, but be able to identify who has their ear. Mm-hmm. So even if they're not going to be out on a Wednesday night, you're not seeing them in the back of the club. You might see five comics like myself, Jason. And I, and I am not saying this to say uh, run up on us, but <laughs> <laughs> thank you. I don't know where you were going, but I did not like to wait. Brian, can we go to a break? <laughs> yeah, I got. It. I will. I can fix it. Okay, uh, so fix that. And but I, but I, but I, but uh, but no, really, like you, you have to, um, you have to be able to identify that. And listen, like they said, in the same way that those guys don't miss anybody, uh, myself, you know, there's a reason I do these March Mania competitions. I like having that one time a year, not only keeping the MC skills sharp, but seeing who the fresh faces are Absolutely. seeing who the new folks are because listen sometimes i'm putting on a show or whatever and i know now 60 comics that i didn't know before and i've seen right. them work right i one comedian have seen 63 comics work yeah. so that's super valuable for me um so you know sometimes it's about it, it, sometimes it's another comic putting a word in for you with them Gary Goldman, right? He's got he's on seventy five tips now about how to. I've be, been reading uh, those. Oh, they are so good. so good, so good. We got to talk about those on the podcast. Yeah, at some yeah, point. we do. Well, stuff, one, yeah. one of them that, that kind of goes to your point was was most of the sh- most of uh, of the work. I, I don't know if he said. I don't want to. You know, just read them. You'll see. But it's like most of the work comes from other comics. So it goes back to yes. being a good hang, like no your no other comics. They're go- the comics are always looking for other people to open for them, mm-hmm. or who can I open for? And that stuff should happen at the club. Yeah, you know? and, and I've had comics be like, "I'm not a good fit for this, but I think you are." Yeah, you know, like all sorts of stuff. Yeah, I'm not I'm not I'm not available that day. Here's here's three other people. Like yeah, that's that's, uh, that's that's huge, man. And I, that was like with uh, Debbie Millwater. And I've said this a couple times, but told me early on, like I used to come to the club man, early on and I would write my stuff down and I would go in and I would uh, do my show, you know, whatever my thing was at a main stage showcase. This was before the fight nights and all this stuff. Yeah. This was just the, the main stage. Did we talk about that? It was a hideous experience. <laughs> uh, but but this is 100 years ago. <laughs> But it tested. But it sounds your, like I'm it, not gonna it, lie. Well, well like, it was. It was. You know what it was. No, it does sound like it was 100 years ago. But it, but it was. It was at seven o'clock, and it was like, like right as they started seating people, you were on stage. Oh, that's right. Yes. I and now you, know you, you have about. not been ignored. <laughs> 
like you could like you get ignored at a main yes. stage showcase. Like you did a great job if anybody listened. It was a show before the show. Yes, and it was just uh, I mean, and you would just see it was almost like a gladiator <laughs> arena. And you would see somebody run out past the curtain and then you hear rah, 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 and then they just come back all haggard and beat up. It's like it's your turn, you're up. And then you like, okay. <laughs> then you run out and you're like, oh shit. So <laughs> It was uh it was it really tested your metal, yeah. the main stage showcase. Uh, let's uh, yeah, let's take a break and, and come back and talk a little NFL. <laughs> we'll be back. How long do runners need to stretch before hitting the road? This is a 60-second training tip powered by Ortho Carolina. Stretching muscles while the body is at rest can lengthen muscles and help runners improve performance, reduce injuries, and recover from a tough run faster. But how long should a good stretch last? The simple answer is 30 seconds. This allows your cold muscles to relax and be ready for work. Taking the time to stretch properly is critical, especially if you're coming back from an injury. Something to note though, stretching a muscle group for longer than 30 seconds can actually decrease your speed and hurt your performance. In addition to a good pre-run stretch, spend some time after your run and stretch the same muscle groups for 30 seconds as well. This has been your 60-second training tip powered by Ortho Carolina, official team physicians of the Carolina Panthers and proud sponsor of the Queen City Podcast Network. For more training tips or to make an appointment, visit orthocarolina.com. Welcome back. Now, what are those people saying in that? Hiya! Fire! What are they saying? Oh, wait, wait. I'm sorry, Jason. I missed your mic. Go ahead. Huh? You didn't hear me? No, I didn't have your mic turned up. I, I said the most talking. amazing thing ever, and it was not recorded. Unbelievable. I can, I can fix it. It was <laughs> so prolific. I know. I mean, the, the angels, doves flew out. It was... Anyway, what were we just talking about? <laughs> we were saying that... Um, I don't know. Oh, the what were the people the yelling? Yeah. What were the people yelling? Yeah. Well, let's see. Hey! Fire! I think they said violence. Are we sending subliminal a, messages? That's inappropriate, I think. What was that? Firefest! <laughs> oh. hey, How good was that? I was not a fan of old money until I watched that <laughs> documentary. That don't make sense. You know who enjoyed Firefest? More than anyone else, <laughs> Fifty Cent. He yeah, Jaru <laughs> <laughs> ja was like to life, <laughs> to love, <laughs> to women, and what? Fucking all the women. <laughs> they had three tents up ja, for, for a festival. Ja Rule, that started in days. Jaru, he was in a competition. He's like, I know. <laughs> right now, everyone thinks the white guys are the biggest douchebags ever. Hang on, hold my beer. Watch this. What a piece of shit! I'm okay saying it. What is he thinking? Is that in, is that him? He's a re, that's a real thing that he 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 was really that person. He wasn't playing a character. If I were Ja Rule, I would have listen. At this point, we're trying not to get sued. So at this point, I'm grabbing a microphone and I'm doing concerts. Fuck it. Yeah. Well, listen, they didn't show up, but you did see performances under the letters of the contract. All we promised was a performance. Yeah. We yeah, hoped wait, right at the end. To. What did he say? Right? They were like, that wasn't fraud. We right. Just, oh, we yeah. just lied or whatever the hell he said. He said, "Yo, that's that." Come, <laughs> he goes, come on, man. He said, "Fraud is not when you tell someone something that's not true. <laughs> that is embezzlement." It's <laughs> like, ja. yo, man, that's it's like that Dave Chappelle skit where you know where he was uh, talking about uh, there was some kind of hurricane. It's like, and now we're gonna go to Ja Rule. And he was like, I don't want to hear from Ja. I'm scared to death. <laughs> he was like, what do, I, what do I care what Ja Rule thinks about the hurricane? <laughs> so it was just funny seeing him on like CNBC or whatever the money channel is, CNBC money. And he's just sitting there with this <laughs> other schmuck. And he's just like, yo, it's, it's going to be bigger. And it's just like this. Yeah. They have nothing prepared. Nothing. nothing. Dude, so, so I'm going to do that thing where I, so I kind of do that for a living. I don't put on festivals, but in film, I literally do logistics of what's going yeah, on. Oh, absolutely. wow. It's bathrooms. It's, it's parking. Similar. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's so similar. And I'm watching this just from a slightly different perspective of everyone else going, 
just I can feel the anxiety building in me going, oh, my God, they're not doing anything. Ooh. They're Ooh. not doing anything. I, re- I remember I worked on the Hunger Games, setting up for a thousand extras. Like I didn't have like I didn't have enough of this. I'm like, I'm like running around, like trying to make this thing happen. And I'm watching these guys are just partying and drinking and be like, no, no, they're doing it wrong. No, no, no abort, no, no, abort, no, no, no. abort. Get out of there. Even the know. cab driver's like, you know, he goes. <laughs> And this accent's probably going to be offensive. Yeah, as far it's going to try it. Hell, you got I can it. take it out. <laughs> he goes, he goes, uh, he goes at one. He, he goes, you know, at, at one at one point. I'm, <laughs> no, I don't know what's this happening. This is great. Do it. I want you to do okay, it. Okay, okay, okay. You know, at one point, I, I'm, you know, I'm driving my cab and the guy asked me, he goes, uh, you know, do you do you think this is going to work? And uh, I said, uh <laughs> Nah, man, this ain't gonna work. <laughs> <laughs> this, this wasn't gonna. <laughs> and it kind of goes. Huh? <laughs> well, but how about the guy that said uh, he was gonna save the festival oh, because man. they wanted, they needed bottles of water. Now this was on. I saw oh, both of them, the one on Hulu and Netflix. Oh, there was God. one guy, and I guess who was the main guy's name? Joey, Jimmy, something? Jimmy something. Uh, Jimmy, you're yeah. both looking at me. I have not seen either one. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. So yeah. just Jimmy, something, whatever he is. Yeah. He said that you may have to sleep with him, or did well, he say give him head? It, it blow was. Him. It was the. Uh, he might have to blow the the guy. They, in, they inspect the stuff that comes through. The, yeah. The whatever mm-hmm. that was. They're yeah. Like, so the, so the guy goes, and I I you know I mean, <laughs> it's not every day you get told that. <laughs> you're like, getting these accents yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just so much fun this is ridiculous i love ridiculous shit and this is the thing he is on this documentary going i mean so i'm driving over there i'm going to blow this man <laughs> i am going to blow this man and it was like at some point like he keeps saying that i think he was really he was really excited about yeah. blowing this guy yeah, for the at, uh, at a point it's because he's like he kept saying what he was willing to do and i'm like number one you didn't do it so why'd you tell this right Right. Because, you know what I mean? It never happened. So why would you be like, let me get on this special and talk about something that didn't <laughs> that happen? didn't ever but, happen. But you're going to tell me what you were going to do. Right. So that was already weird. It's weird. It's like I, they, they told me I had to go kill this guy. So, right. I mean, but then, I, so I drive over there. I mean, I have the gun. But then but then when he talked and about. And I was about to kill him. And then, <laughs> but then you know, he, they were he, like, OK. When he talked about his mental state and, and he just went into such detail that was unnecessary. <laughs> He's like, you know, I they called me and. <laughs> He says, I think you're going to have to save the festival. <laughs> and I was blown away. I mean, I'm sitting on the bed and I'm like, what is he talking about? <laughs> and then he goes, we may need you to blow me. <laughs> and I thought, I, I mean, and in my head, I'm like, well, we got to save the festival. And it, like, I'm looking at it and I'm like, I'm thinking about it and I'm washing my mouth out and I- <laughs> All right, putting on my clothes, and then he goes, and then, and then I'm thinking I'm gonna drive over there. It's about 15 minutes, and then I'm gonna have to get on my knees and start to pleasure him slowly but firmly. Well, and it's like, like you anyway, wanted, a, you were looking for a boyfriend. So how about this? So has anyone ever thought it's the customs? It was the like the customs agent or whatever. Yeah. Has anyone thought about the customs agent watching this documentary, going, "Sweetheart, it's not what I think. <laughs> it's, not, it's not what it looks like." I, this is true at all. I don't it, know why they thought that. It was Randy. It was Randy. They thought it was it was actually Randy who and, he was going to do that. And this island too. is so small that in my head the customs agent is also the cab driver. They're the same person. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, like like jokes aside, like I felt bad for the customs guy because uh, in all honesty, like we don't know if that was you know that they just out, they just outed whoever that guy was. Whoever the customs about. agent. Yeah. yeah, you can we, Google we don't that know. one. Yeah, find out who that guy is. And two, the, the, this guy, the fact that this guy still does this, he does these things now. The guy from the fire Festival. Who's the blowjobs? Yeah, that guy, how credibility has to be absolutely out He's the still out here giving blowjobs? He, he still does this for a living, as far as Works I know. Works for festivals. Or Works for festivals. Oh! Yeah. No, he doesn't. <laughs> I was like, why is he still out here no, doing this? He's not running around doing that. Oh. I mean, not for water. <laughs> I just mean he... God, I hope not. Now, if you're in Flint, I that's need, one thing. <laughs> I need 4,000 bottles of water. Get over here. I just mean like that. Yeah, that's just the credibility of that. I have to assume, how do you hire that guy then? I don't know what to do. 
I don't think you can. Unless well, you're looking for I, someone listen, who's willing to do anything. That's what I was going to say. Maybe you guys don't want someone that's willing to do anything yeah. to get the job done. Well, I like that in an employee. Willing to break the law. I mean, that's, that, guy, that guy just exposed himself. Sometimes, for s- listen, man. <laughs> sometimes the difference between success and failure comes down to sucking some dick. Let's just be honest. How many deals have gotten done because of that? You don't know how many. Yeah. I cannot argue with anything you just said. Absolutely. How do you think these UN treaties happen? No, I'm kidding. I, I, got, I got another. None of the first 10 minutes of this is going to yeah. ever air. Is I'm going to take it right out. <laughs> this is probably going to be our last one. Yeah, I got this a lot of work it. to do on this, on this one. Oh, yeah. but we didn't. We never, we never got to Antonio Brown. That's right. So Steelers receiver, everybody knows Antonio Brown. Yep. Ended up signing with the Raiders. That's right. What did you think about, besides good riddance, which you may have said, but what, yeah, what else did you think? I, I did say good riddance. I felt like uh, I thought feel like we we've talked a lot about this off, off yeah, air yeah. and uh we have we have i think uh slightly different sort of uh, sensibilities I don't think it's on heavy, it. Not, heavy yeah. different yeah i think here's what i'd say i'd say good for him he went to he went to where he wanted to go i think he if it, there's a winner and a loser in this he definitely won over the three parties involved i think the steelers are okay with what they got they probably will be construed as the the loser the lesser of the three I think Oakland paid, uh, probably paid too much for for what they think they're gonna get dollars wise or yeah they, compensation. Not wise. that they, not even the compensation of the Steelers, like which is, which is a three and a five yeah. uh, draft picks. But I think they're paying him over the next couple of years thirty one million, oh, okay. yeah. something like that, mm-hmm. uh, guaranteed. Mm-hmm. I think that's too much because I think you're gonna see him in a system that um, he's not necessarily familiar with. Lesser quarterback, lesser team as a whole. Mm-hmm. Now they're making moves. Don't get me wrong. I mean, they're not. You know, they're not going to be slapped. I mean, they got Randall Cobb. I mean, now it's game over. I, I don't know. I think he's he's interviewing kind of all over. He the place signed now with they said Oakland. Oh, did he? Oh, okay. All right, get you he's on top of it. Uh, I I think that uh, you know if if I had any any wishes or how I hope this goes, I hope he stays healthy and is uh, uh, as ineffective as we <laughs> the Steeler fan nation uh, hope he is. Well, let me ask you this: Do you think that <laughs> do you think that part of it was uh, part of the impetus for Oakland to spend that kind of money to make sure they got him locked up? Was that they're moving to a new stadium and they don't have any other star? I think it's absolutely a huge part of it. So I think it's a bad gamble in terms of what he is on the field. Uh, if they can if they can get people in that place, Here, here's what I think. One of the first things that he said in that press conference was, "I'm so happy to be here with the legacy that the Raiders have and the legends that they've ever that they've had play here before." And my first thought you were was, "Just in Pittsburgh, you, yeah, you one, you were just <laughs> in Pittsburgh, yeah, and two, you just gave up any right to say that shit when you when you said, I 'I don't need the game, I got, I paid for this house, cash, and I don't care about this anymore. I made my money.'" If you had any thoughts about legacy and being a legend, you would have stayed in the place where your legacy already exists and had the highest potential for a for a legacy. You got well. His, I mean, I think he's a Hall of Famer now. So. Yeah, in Pittsburgh. <laughs> yeah, he was a Hall of Famer in Pittsburgh. But if they're going to yeah. give him more, I think he went from zero dollars guaranteed to thirty like million 30, guaranteed. Thirty-one. I don't There's thirty million reasons to leave Pittsburgh. Sure. Well, that's you're exactly my proving my point. That if you're going there for the $31 million, I don't want to hear you talk about the legacy and of the game. You're sort of forfeiting but that. Does that hold on. But does that, hold on. But does being a fan of the legacy of the game mean that you have to be beholden to an organization? Like, if no, I'm a fan of the game, that means I got to stick not and stay in a place that's not paying me. Not only is he me. not beholden to an organization, he's not even beholden to the NFL based on his interviews. He doesn't, he doesn't care. He doesn't need the game. He wants to play. But he doesn't have to play. Well, I think Either pay me my money, or I'm just gonna go on being, you know. But you, a, but you a, gotta a balance. But you gotta balance that with the fact that the day, <laughs> the secret singer, whatever. There's the mask. I don't know. Secret dancer. <laughs> Private dancer. <laughs> Jeez, dancer for money. You know what I'm talking about. I'm gonna let that marinate for everybody. <laughs> I tried to talk over it. The Y'all ma- wanted it. Y'all <laughs> no, got it. No, I needed Let's, that to get out. Let this oh, that, sit that, in that, space. Yeah. Mask. Yeah. Mask. But uh. <laughs> You know, for, I mean, for for him, the the day he arrives, he's the hardest worker in the building. Yes, his uh, reputation is is excellent, and that uh, tends to rub off. 
Yeah. Uh, now you got a guy that's going to come in there and bust his butt, and now you got a team full of guys that are maybe yeah. going to bust their. Butts. Well, listen, I hope he shows we up. We can have a culture changer. I hope he shows up and he plays because he didn't play the last game because he was a little upset. Well, he's paid now. Shit. It, now listen, what? if he's like that now, Hang on, man, Hang on. Ex- he's what? not like he's not making any money to play. He went from zero to thirty. He wasn't guaranteed for the next year. Yeah, he still had a salary. Yeah. Okay. So he was still making money. Let, let, I just want to be clear that we know what we're talking about. He's guaranteed this. You're saying if he gets hurt, he doesn't get paid because they can just be like, ah, get rid of him. Supposedly, Ryan, Sha- Ryan get- Shazier signed another contract this year. He hadn't played in two. Just saying, this as an organization taking care of somebody. Mm-hmm. That's he, to their he credit. Got, they did do that. He got credit. upset. He got upset at the quarterback and didn't play in the last game of the year, which was a crucial game. Why do we think now that he's got his $31 million, He's going to go over there and be the player that he was three years now, ago. Now, by not play, did they hold him out, or did he say, I'm not coming? He left. And he said, because y'all don't, won't give me a new deal, right? He, he, was mad at, he was mad at Ben Roethlisberger, didn't practice. And they got there, and, he's like, and they were like, no, you're not playing. You don't show up. You're not going to show up here? So he got, to, he got mad at the quarterback and didn't play. That didn't have nothing to do with money. It was at that point that he said, I don't want to be in this team anymore. And he quit. He just stopped. How do you think the Steelers players feel about him? Have they said any had any quotes? I think his reputation is very good. <clears throat> really? Yeah. So how do you? Why are you madder than the players that he had to go out there? That had I'm to go not out saying the players play. aren't mad. I'm saying the players are saying all the right things, and his reputation of working hard is is sound. Oh, so I mean, but we are, but dude, we, we're talking about organizations that will cut your ass at the drop of a dime. Like, why would I care? I'm not. Ta- I, listen, <clears throat> first of all, I'm not talking about the Steelers. I'm talking about me as a fan mm-hmm. and all the fans out there watching this. The mm-hmm. optics are really, really bad. Sure, but I mean, also as a fan, though, I mean, most I, I would hope that the fans are discerning enough to understand that they, if they were offered the same opportunity, they might think about making similar decisions. This hundred millionaire who's playing for this team who could have. Who just who signed that deal? It's not as if he wasn't cognizant of what was going on and how long the deal went and how many years he had. He made a he signed a bad deal with his agent. This wasn't he had a couple of years on this thing left. It's not as if he was like trying to go back to the draw. You know, the, so if he wasn't playing well at all, would they cut him a couple of years early? Maybe. Yeah, they they to cut him the second year. Well, sure, but that's not what we're talking about, though. That's that's not what we're talking about at all. He just didn't like his deal because he wasn't guaranteed money anymore. So he just said, "I'm going to squelch the deal. I'm going to make, I'm going to make my presence here so uncomfortable for this team that they're going to want to get rid of me so much that I'm not going to play in the last game of the year." That's important. To be honest, man, I mean the way these NFL contracts are structured and how little guaranteed money there is and how they have the ability to just snap you off the roster at any time, I struggle with even calling them deals. Well, they're just these contracts. He and his agent worked with them and made the deal. But they're working within but they're working within a system that's set up that way. This is not baseball, right? So he's never going to have that kind of security. So he at the has, end of the day, he has that security now. Why didn't he make that deal? Antonio a year or two Brown ago? used literally the only leverage he had, which is whether or not he shows up. Aside from that, he has no leverage. And and I will say this: the NFL is at risk of this happening all over the place. That's a that's a problem for the NFL. Well, then maybe they need to start giving them deals with more guaranteed money. Maybe. I'm not, we don't I, see this with baseball players. I'm I'm certainly not gonna. I, I, <laughs> I don't up. know. I don't know enough about this to 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 say that. But yeah, I'm sure it sounds like. It sounds like they listen. And Dude, JJ Watt I'm just not, tweeted about the Mike Trout deal. Yeah, he's like, I, I kind of look like him. Can y'all give me some? I'm not like going to defend the NFL and how they treat their players and the safety and all that shit. But that's I'm, the backdrop the of all guy. of this, man. Mm. It's the backdrop. He's in a system that does that. If now, if the system wasn't I like still think that, if he felt that way. He should have made that deal. Like, I'm sorry, you you sign a deal that's that's five years long, and a year in, you go, I don't like this deal anymore. I'm sorry, that's a little bit on you and your and your agent. But listen, if he's not it's not as if the Steelers had to pay him for not playing. I'd understand if they had to pay him anyway. He don't play, he don't get paid. Ain't that how the shit works? Yeah. Like if I go to my job and I say, I ain't coming in tomorrow, well your ass don't get paid. Well then I'm not coming. Right. Okay. It's not like so it's not like like the Steelers didn't have to pay any money. They pay they didn't pay any money for a guy that wasn't there. Okay. I also think that there's a little bit more to the he game. He suffered. Than that. He didn't suffer. Le'Veon shit. suffered. Le'Veon, like yes, that's right. He's suffering. He's the one who made all those decisions. 
Sure. Yeah. And at the end of the day, though, it's like and he the, made and the we're decision good to, see him to go. use his leverage. Good for you, man. You're out that $14.5 million. You're never going to make that money back. Good luck in the Jets. I hope, I hope you're going to a better team at this point. I hope you're – absolutely, <laughs> absolutely might, not. Absolutely not. No, that's ridiculous. Oh, he, is going to, he is going to fade into mediocrity. He's going to fade into – the Jets? You guys are going to be not good. Your defense got cratered. Yo, yo, Antonio Brown's gone. I know. So is Bell. Don't get me wrong. I know we've we've lost. <laughs> you them. lost a lot, bro. We lost. So is Ben Roethlisberger. He's lost a lot personally in terms of skill level. He's not sure. the same Ben. How y'all he, gonna be? He's not. He's not the same Ben. Although his last two years has actually been pretty good numbers wise. Uh yeah, at home, which is what Antonio Brown said. I play fantasy. That dude was. Shh. That's listen. That's a that's a team that goes to the Super Bowl if Bell and Brown play. How come they did all that not going to the Super Bowl with him then? What do you mean? When's the last time they went to the Super Bowl? You said if they play, they've been playing the last five years and didn't go to the Super Bowls. What do you mean? No, I, I think that that team. I think they've been a very good team. They've been a playoff team every single year. This past year, they've been they've been building. They lost Shazier. They lost a, a big chunk of their defense. It's oh, been so you saying on. if they came back this year? Yeah, I think they had a, they had a real real Bowl. strong. Their defense was actually pretty good this well, year. Le'Veon went to a team that has a better chance than the. Steelers. It'll be interesting to see how it goes. Maybe I know. we can do this a little March. podcast prop yeah. bet. Oh, I know. This Wins is on the season. This is March football talk, so this is very exciting. <laughs> this is very exciting. I feel like I'm Mike Florio trying to but I will, I'll do this. force content. I'll, I will say this. I'll say it now in March, and we can decide what the bet would be. The Steelers will have a better record than both the, the Raiders and the Ooh. Jets. Together? <laughs> <laughs> no, the Raiders are only good for two. So well, <laughs> this is why this is what I can't wait to see. You know, at the end of the day, Pittsburgh ain't winning the Super Bowl this year. No, they're not. They're the Raiders not. ain't winning the Super nope. Bowl this year, and the Jets ain't winning the Super Bowl this no. year. So I'm gonna just enjoy my thirty million. I'm saying, and the fact that Nick Foles is now down in ten, down in the Jaguars. Uh, I don't uh, think the Eagles are going to the Super Bowl either. Wow. <laughs> I'll be honest, I wasn't ready for that. One. <laughs> oh my gosh. Do you know, dude? We're like, come on now, Nick. Fo- Nick Foles. That's the the backbone of the, your your playoffs right there. Just left, uh, and now well, you guys until got. Wentz gets hurt. Then, yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> who's the who's Wentz is backup now? Do we know yet? Might be Nate Sudfeld, but I think they're going to sign a backup. Who? Nate Sudfeld. He was he used to play with the Redskins. He's got talent, but he's inconsistent. The Nate Sudfeld. <laughs> <laughs> the one and only <laughs> Nate Sudfeld. Bro. Now t- take it easy, Mister Stafford. <laughs> Hey, let's not do too much because we know we know for a fact. Which yeah, Brian, team you is might not. You, yeah, Brian, you or might the playoffs. Might want to scale it back just a little bit. I'm saying as a Detroit fan. Hey, the Lions signed Danny Amendola Shit. and his eggshell skull. <laughs> oh for, it's we're going to the playoffs, baby. I wish I'd have known that before I spoke. <laughs> now that changes. That changes. I used to have a joke I used to do about the NFL where I said, uh, you know, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if I'm gonna do it right, but I said. Uh, you know, ESPN just reported that um, that they will not, during their playoff coverage, um, use the term Redskins. Uh, also, during their playoff coverage, they will not be using Browns, Giants, Jets, <laughs> Lions, <laughs> or Dolphins. <laughs> it's good. Yeah, I, like it. I used to I have like fun it. with that one, but, you know, half of those teams got good, and I got tired of telling it. Yeah. You know, I go, like Cleveland – Cleveland was part of the start of my comedy career. Like, yeah. I started off doing – I have tapes of my first open mic. <laughs> I have video of my first open mic at Hooligans. Off, it used to be on yeah. in the French Quarter, whatever that is here. Uh, yeah, Sheena London. I was uh, – she is a, a comedian that used to live here. She's from Chicago. Yeah, she did improv with me, and uh, she used to MC that spot. And I did my first open mic there. And um, – I did Bobcats jokes, and they were. Now I look back on them, I'm like, oh, my <laughs> God. I said, Sh- I'm not Sports-centric. It Sports-centric. was so too sport. And then it did the other joke. It's just, of course, you look back at it and you cringe. But, oh my God. Uh, yeah, I used to do Bobcats and Browns jokes. I definitely don't do the same five minutes that I started with. That would be awkward. <laughs> but you know what, though? That goes back to actually when you talked about Gary Goldman. One of the, the uh, tips he had was go and look back at your older material. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, because right. now you've had another however many years of experience and life experience. Yeah. Maybe you revisit it with a different lens. Mm-hmm. And he said he's gone back before and looked at stuff and come up with some great stuff uh, by having new eyes look at old material. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So, yeah, that was the that was the early stuff I did. But 
you know. Steelers are going to be in third place this year in their division. I'm sorry. I got to go back. They're not. They're the Browns not are winning that, that division. Browns are probably going to win. Yeah. Like Mayfield well, is super accurate, and he has Odell Beckham. Odell Beckham, uh, you know, essentially did the same thing that, that Brown did, except in reverse. The team said, go, go, go. How stupid. Okay. And you know that I do this once a week, Brian. How stupid is Dave Gettleman, the GM for the Giants? He is the worst thing that could have happened to that team. <laughs> I'm serious, man. Like, at the end, okay, this guy comes in. I think it's a locker room thing, man, with both of them. Mm. I do. But, but I'm serious. I, I, they, you know who else said that kind of shit? Who? Chip Kelly. You want me to tell you how that ended? <laughs> he said Deshaun Jackson was a problem in the locker room. LaShawn McCoy, well, he was yeah. a crip. He was a blood. Yeah. He was trying to lick him to gangs. Like, so Sean Jackson was a bad apple. Deshaun McCoy was a bad apple. And then they go, we sucked. Yeah. Oh, but you know who's a good, great guy? Uh, DeMarco Murray, he ran for 1.5 <laughs> yards a carry. I don't give a shit. I'm just okay? saying I think that that was probably played and in that's, the decision. But you know what? When you get these old-ass retread GMs, that's the kind of shit they look for. <laughs> Somebody, let's have the team get together at Nifty 50. <laughs> like, that bullshit. Like, look, give me talent. I can work with the rest. Bill Parcells worked with Lawrence Taylor. Do you know how Lawrence – Brian, please tell the people about the kind of shit Lawrence Taylor used to do. Uh, he was coked up, uh, hookers and blow in hotel rooms the night before games. And I think children, uh, actually, yeah. as of late. Yeah. yeah. And they won. Yeah. They won. Yeah, he was unblockable. They of course, won. yeah. He was like the best he was, ever. Listen, yeah. he was unblockable whether he was on coke or sleeping with three hookers in the locker room or not. He was unblockable. Yeah, That's the only part true. that matters. Instead of, uh, you know – Somebody else that is a, a great family man who is very blockable. Like, why? <laughs> what are you? If I'm another player on the team, I'm like, I don't give a shit about that. Okay, I don't care. Are they gonna suspend him for it? I'm fine. I'm tired of getting double teamed, so I don't care. <laughs> what fans care about that? The players are like, put the best dudes here. Now, you listen. You now, I understand that you have some players where you need a strong locker room because you know we had Terrell Owens that came in. Yeah, and for the first year, man, we went to the Super Bowl. It was one of the greatest years of my life watching. He the played Eagles. in a broken leg. Played in a broken leg. Yeah. Had a great game in the Super Bowl. Hundred some yards, nine catches, broken leg. Uh, almost won it. But the next year, then he's he, all of a sudden he's fighting Hugh Jackson in the locker room. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And Hugh Jackson was trying to police the locker room, and Terrell was Terrell was getting out whatever, and they got in a fist fight in there. And then slowly, all of a sudden, he's doing sit-ups in his driveway with the reporter interviewing him and shit. Yeah. And it just slowly began to disintegrate. And then yeah. him and Donovan weren't speaking. That got awkward and weird. Oh, so uh, there he, is a locker room issue. So, there, so, so what I'm saying is, yeah, like that is something that you have to be cognizant of. Sure. Yeah. But I have seen no indication that he was fracturing that. Those guys love him. Who? Odell Beckham. Okay. The Giants. Like the players. In fact, most everything you've heard about him has been good. There Dude. hasn't been anyone who went, you know, who's an asshole is Odell Beck. No one said that. Even the reporter came out. I'm going to find that, that clip. That, is that what you're going to bring up? That yeah, I'm going to bring that yeah. up. That, I mean, it, it was touching. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, I, I thought so too. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm not suggesting that that was a, an Antonio Brown thing necessarily. Mm -hmm. uh, that stuff at the end of the year was pretty bad. But he just made it such a public thing that it, it became, I think it became an issue. He really, really forced his hand there. And I think I think Bell, uh, with his uh, back and forth and saying he's going to come and then not coming back, I think you know I think there's something there's some truth to that. Regardless of he he wasn't you know fighting anybody in the locker room, but I do think there's an element of all right we have it we have a situation here that we need to deal with. And you know what my issue is okay that's fine you want to trade Odell Beckham you want to trade Odell Beckham yeah but you got to get more. Than Janoris Jenkins, or not Janoris Jenkins, uh, Peppers, Peppers, and yeah. in the box safety, you get an in the box safety. You just got rid of Landon Collins, who was an in the box <laughs> safety. What are you doing? Right. You yeah. just got rid of that, a better version of that. Yeah. So well, unless they want to play Peppers in the kick return game and, and as a wideout, which he did at Michigan and was, and they very, sent very away Odell Beckham for this. I, Listen, I'm not defending him. Oh, I'm just oh saying uh, him <laughs> and two, two first-rounders. I think No, no, not two first-rounders. No, it wasn't even that. It was Jabril Peppers and like a – And a, a bag of balls, I think. Yeah, I said two <laughs> packs of ramen. Right, right. It, so anyway, okay, so this is what this uh, reporter here, Kimberly Jones, she tweeted a personal note on the Odell Beckham Jr. I know. So let's take a listen here what she has to say. I 
I do want to touch on just a personal memory as we're almost saying a New York goodbye to Beckham today. And it's not a secret. I had um, a serious medical issue in November, an aortic dissection. I ended up missing 46 days of work here at NFL Network. Now, in that time, late in that time, I was lucky enough to come back to both the Jets and Giants locker rooms on an unofficial capacity just to say some hellos and kind of get back in the swing of things. Well, my first day of work was right here at the Jets, 46 days later on December 31st, New Year's Eve. 7 p.m. that night, I got a text from Odell, and it simply had a video of me interviewing him after a Giants win a couple seasons ago. Where he found the video, I don't know, and they're not hard to find, but the video was linked. And he wrote simply, I'm so happy I will still get to see you in 2019. That is who, in my experience, Odell Beckham Jr. is. I understand he gets a bad rap. He is emotional. So am I. We've connected on that level. But I do think that there is a different side to him. I hope in Cleveland he becomes the person I know him to be in terms of the public image because that is who he is privately. So so it goes on a little bit from there. But that, I mean, that's just kind of a window. I mean, that's powerful stuff. So, sure. okay, he's this, he's this team cancer that's only interested in self and doesn't care about anyone but himself. Then you got this reporter coming out saying something like sure. this. And then now they show clips of him on the sideline. <clears throat> and they said that, and in terms of the kind of worker he was, she she goes on to talk about that. I really should have kept I should have just kept playing it. But, you know, <laughs> I, right. I, I think we could. No, you know what? I'm just going to keep playing it. <laughs> Some have piled on. The guy that you know. I, I do, and people are just going to say I'm an apologist, but you know what? I'm okay with that. I sat with him at his locker when he was a rookie, and no one else was paying attention to him. I'm not taking a shot at other media there. I'm in a little bit of a different role. I didn't have to necessarily get the day-to-day -day news that everyone else did. He wasn't playing. He had the hamstring injury. I got to know him, and he said to me one day that he didn't think Tom Coughlin understood him and how much he loves to practice because Coughlin was so frustrated he couldn't practice with those hamstrings and I said have you thought about going to his office he did go to Tom Coughlin's office and the next time I talked to him uh, he told me how relieved he was and at that moment we in the media saw Tom Coughlin's attitude about those hamstrings change I've seen Odell grow I don't excuse the mistakes but heaven knows I made a million mistakes at an age older than Odell Beckham Jr. is now I guess that's why I'm more forgiving. And that's and that's part, and I'm glad she said it that it, at the end because remember, folks, we are evaluating people in their early 20s. Mm -hmm. Think of yourself yeah, in your yeah. early 20s. Then throw on $20 million. Like, these guys are doing a good job. Like, I know me. I struggled making six figures. <laughs> I thought I was... I used to I used to work at a firm in uh between Philadelphia and Delaware and I said I thought I thought I was Wolf of, I thought I was Wolf of Martin Luther King Boulevard. <laughs> I thought I was every like week we had like Thirsty Thursday. I'm buying out the bar. I'm doing the fucking dances. I mean, I lost I it, I was only making six figures, man, not eight figures. And I wasn't 20. I was like almost 30. So, to evaluate these guys and what is I mean, you know, people talk like they, they're they just so horrible. And I'm like, with this this kid Odell Beckham, like, I've seen some of the antics. I get it. You know, when he did the spear on uh, Peters or, or um, Josh. Josh Norman. Who, Josh Norman. You know, they had that. Th He's a passionate dude. Like, you could tell that his he, he just exudes this passion, and sometimes it can get the better of him. But you got to have the emotional intelligence to be able to corral, not corral that, but channel it in a direction that is beneficial to the team. And that's the job of a good coach. That's what a good coach does. Like Bill Belichick with Randy Moss. The guy quit in Oakland. Comes to Bill Belichick and has one of the greatest seasons we've ever seen. That's up to you and your structure. You can get a, you can get a guy to come and buy in, but you got to give him something worth buying into. I'm supposed to buy, buy into 52-year-old Eli Manning? <laughs> I'm running my ass off down the field knowing he can't reach me. Right. But they want me to keep running. <laughs> knowing he can't reach me. So it's just like and they and they, and then they double down on Eli. And they yeah. say, "Here's an extension. We want two more years of this." Well, listen, he's a Manning. 
So Uh-oh. that's that's part of it. Is that is what it? this is? I, th- I mean, maybe. Give me Archie. <laughs> <laughs> Eli is toast, brother. Toast. Yeah, I just I yeah I think you're right. I don't I don't think he's you know I, I keep hearing get him say he's our guy. He's gonna you know be here. He got got hit more times last year. And it's like all right, man. Uh, Give me a break. This yeah, ground there, and pound shit. Yeah, I don't I don't know. And it's like okay, we're rebuilding. But by the way, let's sign Golden Tate. He's thirty. Yeah. Man, are you are you rebuilding and or not, dude? I, I don't know enough about this stuff. I'll be the first one to say that I'm not that guy who knows enough about this. Neither does but Dave I, Gettleman, man. But I've been scratching my head about this, too. I'm just like, why? Dude, you know what? Sometimes if it I, walks like a duck, it's just a bad decision. Yeah. You know? I mean, yeah. I just... I, I think sometimes we tell ourselves... Well, these guys know. I mean, they, you know, they they have a career in football. They would know. Well, I'm sure they're playing with information that we don't have. And you know what? I play fantasy football, and that's information. There you go. (laughs) I I'm a two time league champion. Oh, I think. Oh, I'm I'm sorry. Actually, I didn't realize. We should probably start this whole thing over. I didn't put it this way. I could have told you Eli Manning was done three years ago. (laughs) Dave Gettleman (laughs) is three years too late and doubling down on another two. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Let's see how that goes. Oh, the Eli and Saquon Barkley. No, here's what we'll do. Here's what we'll do. <laughs> what we'll do is, what we'll do is, we'll draft a position that has a shelf life of five to six good years, with a quarterback that is finished, and then we're going to get rid of our top three receiver. So we're going to trot out. Get this, the quarter, the the running back with the short shelf life and a fifty year old quarterback, and we're going to go to war with that. Yeah. They could have had Sam Darnold. They could have had. It's going to be crazy when they draft a quarterback. That's going to be the thing that's that's going to be crazy. It is going to be. They're going to bring in a young person. They're going to give right. Eli this year, and then they're going to have this other guy, and he's not going to have anybody to throw to. And they're going to waste year and day. It's just, this is the same thing that happened with Todd Gurley. They wasted the first three years of his career with Jeff Fisher. Yeah, there you go. They are wasting Saquon Barkley's career, and they better do something because this kid is generational. He's great. He's great, and they're going to waste his career. If I'm him, I'm already looking at where my next stop is. Mm-hmm. You think I'm re-signing with you, mother? Well, listen, all he's got to do is just follow the playbook that Antonio Brown just gave him, and he can get out of that contract. If he's smart, He'll do I would that. do it tomorrow. There if I go. was Saquon, I'm not playing another game until we have another quarterback. <laughs> How about that? He's like, I'm going to leave my $14.5 million like Bell. Saquon is going to see <laughs> 10 in the box. <laughs> like, he's yeah. not. Why oh, yeah, would you? Yeah, yeah. Like, who are you worried about? Sterling Shepard? Oh, no, I'm sorry. Golden Tate now. <laughs> Man, please. <laughs> this is going to be hell for yeah, Saquon Sa- Barkley. Saquon's like, mm, CTE. That early, shit, early onset. Here Saquon, we go. When Saquon carries the ball, that shit is going to look like Keanu Reeves when he fought a thousand <laughs> Mr. Smiths and they just jumped on top of him. <laughs> That is what's going to happen yeah. every time he gets the ball. Yeah, that's right. Okay. I, dude, what are they doing? Dude. <laughs> and I'm an Eagles fan. I love it. Yeah, but, but still, as a football fan, I'm disgusted. What is Wait a minute. This, now, now, as a football fan, you're not disgusted by Antonio Brown? No, I love his answer. Yeah, I know you do. You know I'm all about the money. Oh, I know. You're all hey, about you that money. Show me the money. Like, Cuba Gooding Jr. told you this like, 20 wait, years this ago. Player, he could do this. He could do that. I'm <laughs> Will Jacobs, goddammit. That's what I think. <laughs> Get him going. Two-time fantasy league champion. Yeah, two-time fantasy. You know me. You know me. I don't know why you made me sound like JJ from Good Times, but we'll address that off air. <laughs> well, so <laughs> I'm doing this, day. I'm doing this. I, I'm Will J. Hey, shit, man. Oh, wait, now you turned it into. You uh, you turned it into that, sir. <laughs> Send any email you have no. about Jason's very culturally insensitive impression of me. Send that to Jason Allen no. King. That was Ray Money. Come on now. Man. <laughs> oh, here's Ray Money. <laughs> He's. Shouts out to Ray Money. You know, I I've done so I've done the Ray Money impression so many times. We should have him on the show. We need to have him on just to have so you can hear the, the real Ray Money one day, and then we can play that clip every time. We can see who sounds more like Ray Money. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> me or Ray Money? <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, oh, okay. Brian's giving me the lasso sign. Ooh, yeah, we so, gotta go. so this is so we are out of here for the week, right? Oh so, yeah, we're done. We're out of here for this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, we will see y'all next week. Yeah. Uh, that's all I got. Y'all got anything? Uh, bears mentioning, uh, the comedy zones closed this week for some repairs in the, uh, uh, in the showroom back next week though. 
uh, the Comedy Zone's open. So no shows this weekend wow. in the Comedy Zone, but next weekend. The wow. Zone's Performing. Where are you at next, Jason? Where can people catch you? I am. You know what I'm doing? I'm going up to a wedding for uh, uh, Kenny Garcia, who's a comic. Yeah, who's, no uh, yeah, part-time yeah. down here. So we're um, in New York City. Uh, the, I leave tomorrow. Uh, and then, but I'm doing a show. If you're in New York, uh, I'm doing a show at Pianos, uh, Spam Comedy at Pianos Bar. Uh, I think it's Lower East Side with uh, Clint Knorr and All right. Jordan Scott Huggins, a couple yeah. Charlotte guys up there. So I'm excited yeah. to do that room. So check me out up there. That's good stuff. I'm um I'm in Roanoke Rapids. I'm headlining Whoa. a room up there. Have you done that before? Yeah. How is it? You like it? You're gonna have a great time. It's Are you for real? Oh, I love when I hear that. Supposed to when you go, oh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I did the first night. I that uh, place is still open. No, see, so, 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 but that's good. So I'm gonna have. Now nah, you're gonna have. You're gonna have a good time there. It'll be great. All right. So we'll talk all about that next week, y'all. See you. Bye. The Comedy Zone podcast is a production of Comedy Zone Worldwide and is recorded in a bunker just off the Comedy Zone showroom at the Abbott Exchange Music Factory in Charlotte, North Carolina. The executive producers of the Comedy Zone podcast are Brian Heffern and Brian Bumpashevitz. Talent Wrangler is Mike Hall. Original music composed and performed by John McKeever. <laughs> <laughs>